Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Uh, I want to encourage you to, um, um, and I couldn't make it on Thursday, but I was grilling as a, as a volunteer at, at the kids' school. But um, I'm really excited what's happening with Bible study and um, in Bible school. I think it's really good. And I, I think we're going to, I was going to say, I think we're going to answer a lot of questions, but that's so much pressure. <laughs> like, we're going to answer all your questions, every single one of your questions, every, every last one of them, um, which is not the point. If you, like, if you go, if you try to interact into this thing called faith, looking for every single one of your questions to be answered, you're probably leaving something on the table. Like, there's something really good about the neck. Like, it should lead to another question right? Like, men, do you fully understand your wife? No. And sometimes that can be a frustration, but sometimes that can be just a marvelous thing, right? Of, of exploration. So, I encourage you to come. All right. Um, I, everything I'm going to say, I, forgive me if it sounds like it's coming from a place of frustration, because it probably was coming from a place of frustration. It's probably coming from a place of frustration. Because, like, I tried to read the Bible this week and understand anything, and I understood nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Have you ever read the scriptures and just been like, what? We could be honest? Like, what the heck are you talking about, Lord? <laughs> Reverently, Lord. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why you're doing it. I, under, I, don't, like, I don't even get, I, like, I don't, I don't get it. And I actually want to release you from any guilt of your what. Like, I, I want you to feel like that is actually a very holy place. Like, your frustrated what is actually the Lord's invitation for you to explore him even deeper. So instead of getting frustrated with your what the heck are you talking about, I encourage you to sit in it. Sit in it for a while and just let it, let it do something. Is there a dimmer on this light? Is there a dimmer? Yeah, it's a, it's a dimmer. <laughs> Jason. It's a dimmer. This light is so harsh. I feel like it's the Lord himself punching me in the face. Oh, thank you. And it, could, it can't be, like, good for you either, considering my situation. It's not even good for you. I'm burning your, your retinas, and they're not... Sorry, Jason. Okay, so the Bible gives us plenty of, like, plenty of opportunities for you to sit in frustration and just be like, what are you talking about? From, like, the story of creation all the way through, read Revelation and just be like, what? What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. And if I'm the only one here, I, then maybe I'm the dumb one. Why are you having me speak to you? I don't get it. But there is so many opportunities. Like, like you ever try to read a genealogy? And then, like, try to pronounce the names? Right? Like, why not just a fill in there, or like a bill? And the Lord said to Jeff, right, just to make it easy. 
right? And then the Lord said to Amanda, and I was like, oh, I can say Amanda, but it's always like, Hashimabalaf Kanef Abeth. And you're like, I don't, I, I, I don't know, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. And if you name your kid one of those names now, then we'll, we'll talk about that later. But, like, you're not that holy. Calm down with your name, Nebuchadnezzar. Like, anyway. Like parables? Wow. That was disrespectful. <laughs> now, now you're just messing with me. <laughs> like, parables. If you're not like, what are you talking about, respectfully, Jesus? Ironically, every time I read a parable, I'm like, Jesus, help me. And it's not even like in the motion. I'm like, Jesus, help me. And he's like, I'm trying, but I feel like you don't have open ears right now to hear what I'm trying to say to you. But I get that a lot of times when, like, when parables came, he's teaching. Like a Pharisee would ask a question, and he would be like, the kingdom of God is like, and you're like, all right, I'm already bailed out because I don't even, I don't get that it's like that, right? Like I, I'm trying to like piece together. There's so many what's, right? There's so many what's. And I, I've come to the conclusion that that's by design by design, because if I could go back and look like at my life, and if it was transcribed into like a Bible with the book of this and that, I would read it back to myself and say, what was I thinking? Or what was I, or why did I make that choice? And that's kind of the what I want to, um, I want to land on for, for just a little bit, because uh, I want to talk about Peter walking on water. And you want to know something? There have been way better speakers than me, way more learned people who talked about this, but I'm, I'm going to get into it. Um, but there are like, what's like, why, why, you, why did you, why did you do that in the Bible? Did you ever, okay, so like the first, why, like, why did you do that? Like the people of Israel, and I could get really judgy when I read the Bible, and especially when people do things, and be like, oh, if they only knew the Lord, right? Or if they only saw the Lord, but they were actually like walking with Jesus and then they did that thing. So I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be as judgy of them because that's me every day. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Like God's people in the wilderness, right? You're like, man, they just saw the Red Sea open, right? And they're complaining about food. And I complain about food every day. Like, any day I'm hungry, I start complaining, and I'm like, I just want to go home, and I make bad decisions. But then I read the Bible, and I judge these people walking through a desert for 40, like, I wouldn't walk through a desert for 40 minutes. Talk about 40 years. So I can get in a really judgy place and be like, why, why'd, you, why'd you build that idol? And then I look to me, and I'm like, well, Ben, why'd you build that idol? Right, the Lord frees me from things, and, and it's like this pattern that happens with, the, with God's people, right? He, he frees you from, he frees them from this, and then they, they're walking on a good path, and all of a sudden, like, life happens, and they start, like, building idols, and then they get captured again, and you would think that they would get the pattern, right? But I don't get the pattern, so why am I judging them? Like, you know how many times the Lord has freed me, from, freed me from something and then I willfully enslaved myself to it again? And the Lord's like, oh, 
You know, I'm gracious again. Well, let's learn this lesson again. And he frees me from it. And I'm like, hallelujah, I'm free. And he was like, yeah, you are. And you were. <laughs> and you will be again. <laughs> Samson. Does Samson make dumb decisions? Right? Like the first time that he lied to her, he said, oh, yeah, I lose my power if you do this. And she did that. Like he went back to that well like three times. Right? Do you ever sit down and be like, man, Samson, you're dumb. Fellas, raise your hand if you've ever done a dumb thing because a woman told you to do it. A hundred percent of the hands of men should be raised right now. Right now. Apparently you don't have hands. That's what's going on. You don't have hands. Because I've done, because I, like, I like the girl and I, like, she, I did something dumb. But I, here I'm like judging Samson. You don't get what I'm talking to you about? Like you sit on your seat of judgment, you, I guess, you know, reading the people in the Bible, like Samson's in the middle of it, like he thinks he loves this woman. Like, the Bible should be so relatable to us because of the dumb things that people have done because I can look back and see the dumb things that I have done. Like if I could read the book of Ben early teenage years, it would be riddled with dumb things that I've done and said. And then if I can read the book of Ben last week, it would have similar dumb things. <laughs> we get to be honest? Like in no way do I come to you and I have achieved this thing. I'm in the middle of the road, exact, walking the path just like you are. Just like you are. And the cool thing is God's like, I'm going to keep on figuring this out with these, this beautiful creation that I've made of man. He wants, he wants the revelation of who he is, the full revelation to come through us, regardless of how dumb we are. It's okay. You can call, you, you can call yourself dumb. You're going to make it. You're going to be fine. But every once in a while, it's pretty good to just look in the mirror and say, you're pretty dumb. I think it's pretty healthy. I mean, if you're all the time like, you're the best, and I, that's good. But every once in a while, you have to acknowledge, like, ah, oh, that was stupid. Please do it. So, it's interesting because I was listening to the, uh, it must have been a podcast, and um, this person said, the United States of America, I'm not going to be political, don't worry about it, but the United States of America is the greatest experiment of freedom the earth has ever seen. And I was like, I like, I would actually believe that historically, right? But actually, I think that God's relationship with his children is the greatest experiment in freedom that the world has ever seen. Because here he is, like, completely whole. We're just trying to deal with, like, rights and, like, you know, like, freedoms written in the Constitution. And he's like, hey, you get to be holy and you get to be free. This is an experiment. This is really the experiment. So we like to look at ourselves, like, what, what, this, the, the people of different cultures trying to come together. And, but the Lord's like, yeah, I got that. I got people of different cultures, people who have seen different things, people who have experienced different things. All of them have this freedom, but the end goal is my presence. This is the greatest experiment of freedom that the world has ever seen.
So, there's a guy that I feel that gets judged by, by a lot of us, when, like when we speak or like when we teach, that he gets a bad rap. I think Thomas gets a bad rap. Like Doubting Thomas, I think he gets a bad rap. That guy gets a, I mean, if you, if you look at all the doubt, compile all the doubts of all the disciples, right? I think Thomas is in like fourth place. I think he's like fourth. Peter, Peter gets such a bad rap. That's who I want to talk about. Peter gets a bad rap. Check this out. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place because I, like, I didn't understand anything. This week I told you, I didn't understand anything, so I'm all over. Check this out. I'm, Peter walking on water has been on my mind for like a month. And so I go and I start reading about different, like first you read the scripture, and then you just read like different commentary. That's probably a mistake. I don't know if it's a mistake, but like I did a lot of research. And people have a lot to say about Peter walking on water, right? And all the things that Peter should have done. And all the, the things that Peter missed. And the things that this and this. And you know what I realized? Even watching some like YouTube videos of, you know, like people talking about Peter. And I came to this conclusion. I'm pretty sure this is 100% true. If it's not, show me and I'll, I'll amend my statement. I think that 100% of people who have criticized Peter are doing it from completely dry ground. <laughs> think about that. Man, that is so simple. I am able to tell Peter every single thing that he'd done wrong, and my feet are dry as a bone. And I just walk, hey, Peter, you should have done this. Hey, Peter, you... But there are no waves. I don't feel any, hey, 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 Peter. You know what Peter should have done? And Peter's like, shut up. I have walked on water one million percent more times than you have. So why don't you take your criticizing and shove it? Because <laughs> even my four seconds of water is like way more than you have ever walked on water. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. If it was me, if it was me, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, that would, that would be me, okay? But total dry ground, completely dry ground. And you want to know something? Not, it doesn't mean that anything that they were saying was untrue. It doesn't mean that we have, don't have great lessons to learn from that story. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean any, it doesn't even mean that poor Peter could have done something better, but it is amazing to me that we don't like, like, like we take our perspective and apply it to other people's realities. Does that make sense? Yeah. From dry ground. From dry ground. I would encourage you, if you're going to go and criticize a Peter in your life, take your shoes off or take a step out of a boat. Okay? Take a step out of a boat. So, um, because I have a little time, I want to go through that story. Okay? And I don't want to go through the same points that I've seen other people make. So, Lord, I pray that what you revealed to me is a real revelation to somebody else. So, uh, I'm going to take a thing of water. Hold on. Okay. So, the one great thing that, and I really can't stand behind there. It cuts off half my body. 
Dude, I have short jokes all day because I've, I've heard them all. Um, okay. One great thing that I heard in um, Bible study last Wednesday was, and we've said this before, is that context matters. Okay? Context matters. What's going on matters. Like, it, it, like it's an important thing. And if you jump into, and this is why, like, Sunday actually really stinks. Let me tell you why Sunday stinks. Okay, because you, you, all, you all come, my wife is laughing, like, eh, maybe not the best question works. But um, it actually stinks for us, like a teacher or a speaker, because for some reason, I'm supposed to give you revelation on this paragraph in 30 minutes, and I have to, because we live in time, I have to negate a whole bunch of context from here and here, that actually is pretty critical to the story, right? And, and Jay said this, is like, this is a continual story. It's a continued story. So the context here matters, and the context out here matters, but we're, I'm going to give you a revelation right in here, like right in these lanes. So good luck. Whatever I give you is what you get. That's what you get. So now, the context of Peter walking on water is actually, it happens after what? The feeding of the 5,000. So the disciples have just seen this thing where they're just handing out, they're just handing out food. Like, like think about a Chick-fil-A, and they're constantly just handing out chicken. And at the end of the day, they have extra chicken. It's beautiful. Chicken and soup, or whatever it is. What do you I had, guys, the chicken noodle soup there, fantastic. Oh, Chick-fil-A, uh, I'm talking to you right now. Feel free uh, to release the buffalo wings in the Chambersburg area. That's all I'm saying. All right? Oh, and now I get an amen. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That's a good food, food content. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. So, the story of Jesus walking on water is in Matthew, and, and Peter walked, is in Matthew 14, which already I'm like, I wish Peter would have wrote it. Like, the perspective of this is coming from the boat. I wonder if Peter, would, if he would have wrote it, would have been like, and my foot touched the water and it scared the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just lost concentration. And I, I'm at, I like, there we go. Okay, so we're going to start with the feeding of the 5,000. Now, when Jesus heard about John, ah, why am I eyeing? More context! Now we have to stop. Isn't it annoying? Oh, Bible thing. Can I give you just a hint, some, oh, something? Like, if you're struggling reading the Bible for real, like, you're struggling because, like, you're reading the Old Testament and you don't understand why God did this, or, God, or even parts of the New Testament, you have to stop and recenter yourself on the fact that God is good and that he loves you. And if you, can, if you continue outside of that context, everything else is going to be a question. Like, everything else is going to be a question, or like a frustration. But if you could center yourself back on, okay, God, you love us, you love us, you love us, you love us, you love us. I almost, like, that's why we tell you, like, read John first. Like, read John first. Read Ephesians. Like, read the first part of Ephesians, and get back to the context, and then, you know, go back to the parts that struggle. Now, when Jesus heard about John, what did he hear about John? What he hears about John, in context, is that, 
because someone had a birthday and someone did a dance, next thing you know, they felt like, like, hey, I want you to have anything you want. So what do you want? So the girl says, I want John's head on a platter. Holy crap, the Bible's R-rated. I know you're avoiding a lot of conversations, but this Bible, it's pretty R-rated, if you read it. So now John the Baptist's head is on a platter, okay? And when we talk about someone that you knew from birth, Jesus knew John before birth, to the point where like, they're having fellowship while they're in each other's mother's womb. Like, John's he's like, holy crap, that's Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, it's me. And I, like, <laughs> and, like, that's basically kind of how it went, right? But John, John is so understanding of who this is that what he decides, that, and get John's context too. John decides to put away his Levitical right to be the head of all of Israel and walk in the wilderness in search of the person that he met in a womb. What? What? John had every right by law to lead the people of Israel. But by spirit, he recognizes the one that's greater and says, my greater road is to go prepare the road for him. This is John. That guy, Jesus just heard his head is on a platter. Now, put the, verse, put the verses back up. Because this, is, like, this context doesn't make sense to me. Now, when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from where, there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. So I actually, and here's my leap, I'm only get, I can only get to the point that Jesus is grieving right now. I can only come to that conclusion. If that conclusion is wrong, Lord, forgive me, but it feels that way to me. Because, it, it, I mean, if the context is, I heard what happened to John. So he withdrew himself there in a boat to a secluded, um, to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. Here's the context in, in like real parent um, uh, 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 lingo. You're trying to go to the bathroom and your toddler finds you. <laughs> I just want some peace. I just need to go to the bathroom. Like this is a, you understand this? Have you ever experienced this? No? Um, like once a day, twice, five? You have five kids. Right? So this is, this is kind of like the feeling. It's like, a, Lauren, you got it? Right? Like I just, I need a moment alone to process. And isn't it cool that Jesus needs a moment to process this? Jesus, he needs a moment to process this. So he, he, they followed him on foot from the cities. Next verse. And when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and holy crap moment. Jesus, in his grief, feels compassion for them. What? I don't understand this. Because the one who was meant to make the road from Jesus, for Jesus, has been beheaded, like unceremoniously, be, well, maybe ceremonially, but beheaded, his head is on a platter, and Jesus is contemplating these things. He just goes for a moment, and next thing you know, the crowds are with him, and what happens to Jesus for them? He feels compassion. And this shows to me that the most pure response 
the most pure human response for any situation that you may encounter by Jesus' example is to feel compassion. And I fail in this consistently because when I look at the context of my life, like when I try to feel compassion for someone else in the context of my life, I come up short all the time because I'm like, well, I can't, you know, like I got this going on and I got that going on and I don't have any compassion for you, right? Right? Am I the only, I'm the only one that does this, y'all? So if I wanna be more like Christ, I have to figure out within my context how to be able to feel compassion for you. It's the most pure human response. William Paul Young said, Jesus came so he can show us what it is to truly be human. I like that idea. I like that thought. Jesus shows us what it is to be human. What it is to be human is to feel compassion for the other, regardless of your situation. And that's hard. And that's really hard. I haven't even gotten to Peter yet. What time is it? Oh, Lord. I feel compassion for you right now. <laughs> Having to listen to me for the next 30 minutes. Okay. So he starts healing their sick. Oh, actually, I have another thing. God just told me this right now. Check this out. Go back to this verse. Your way out is serving others. You hear that? Yeah. You're stuck in a rut, and you're stuck in a place of depression, or you're stuck in a place where you're just not feeling it. You're stuck. Your thinking naturally is to let me focus on myself, but your actual way out is to take the focus off of yourself and start to serve others. So what Jesus does in his context where he's grieving, and John, like, He's, John's being beheaded, so what does that mean for me? Well, you know what it means. He knows what it means for him. And he sees there, and he feels compassion, and he knows, hey, there's a path forward, and the path forward is actually to take the focus off myself and to start putting it into others. See, we have the wrong thinking, but look, I get the self-care thing. It gets a little selfish at times. Like, self-love, I get it. Love yourself, sure. But that's not your way out. That's your way in. And a lot of times what you find is if you consistently find your way in, you get stuck in. And you surround yourself with you. Because I surround myself with me all the time because I start focusing on myself. And next thing you know, I'm surrounded with my own thoughts and my own perceptions and my own conclusions and my own this and my own... And I always thought, I, I was saying, oh, that's me self-loving. No, it was me self-fortifying. And when I self-fortify, next thing you know, I'm trapped. So Jesus figures this out and he knows, you know what, I'm going through something right now. The only way through is in the service of others. Figures it out. He's cracked the code. So, you find yourself in a rut? Serve someone else. Like willfully, serve someone else. And, oh, you know what? You're going to find out. Oh, I don't have it that bad. You're going to find out. You'll see. You'll see, like... You know, every kid, you're like, I want to take him on a mission trip to show them what it really... I gotta, like, you think you have it bad? We're going to Honduras. Like... Sorry, Honduras, I didn't mean it like that. I meant it, anyway. You know what I'm saying, right? You know what I'm saying. All right. 
When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and the hour is already late, so send the crowds away and they may go into the village and buy food for themselves. Can you see the disparity between the disciples and Jesus? Right? Disciples just like, go take care of yourself. This place is desolate. Like, how do you even say that? This place is desolate. Go find food. Jesus is like, what? Like, you just said the place was desolate. You're not getting that? All right. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Whew. Jesus is like, oh, no, 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 no. They don't need to go someplace else. You have it. You have it. They, they don't need, they, they don't, don't, don't send them away. You have it. You have what they need. You have what they need. This is cool. Like Jesus is, he's just shining a light into exactly who they are. I need to get to this Peter story. All right, keep going. And they said to him, there, there are only five loaves and two fish. And Jesus is like, uh, all right. Okay, and he said to them, bring them bring there to me. We'll go through this part fast. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. And breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over for the, of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. And you could go into so many, like, commentaries of why 12 full baskets and why this and why that. But you know what? In context, it came from a grieving Jesus who recognized and had compassion for people and decided that the way through is serving. And then picking up partners along the way. No, we are going to do this. Do not send them away. We're going to do this. And there were 5,000 um, 5, men who ate besides women and children. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. All right. Whew. Now we're going to start my sermon. No, but you got you to gotta know that context. Like, like Jesus still, like I'm not even sure he had enough time to grieve and process. Like people are just following him. And now what he does is he sends, these, he sends his disciples onto the boat. They go ahead of him to the other side while the, crowd sent, the crowds were sent away. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Um, I, the only thing I want to say about this is Jesus valued alone, so you should value alone too. All right? And, and I don't mean alone as in, like, you need to do everything to yourself. Like, everybody needs time to stop and to think and to process. And If you don't build in reflection time into your life, like, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice, okay? You're doing yourself a disservice. You have to stop and reflect. Like you, have, you have to learn. Oh, <clears throat> do you know why we carry um, more pain than we should? It's because you don't allow yourself to grieve and go through the grieving period. That's, that's reflection. That's all that is. Grieving is, is a reflection time. So because you don't allow yourself to grieve, what you do is you carry that pain for longer than it's meant to. And then, in, instead of just, hey, let's grieve this thing, let's bury it, and then let's move forward. Instead, what we like to do is like, hey, let me drag this corpse around with me. No, I grieved it, no, but I'm dragging the corpse around with it. And, like, and it's still there, and it's holding your hand, and it just holds you back, right? Holds me back. Okay. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So 
this is interesting because I always read it that like when Peter, like for some reason, I don't know why, I'm, but I, I read it that, um, that when Peter uh, got out to the boat, then the wave started. But like Jesus was walking on already very, very contrary waters. Okay? It didn't just start when Peter got out of the boat just to mess with Peter. So basically, Peter's living in the world. Like, things are contrary to And Jesus is like, okay. I think that would have been cool to see, though. Right? Like, like him walking up a wave and then, like, maybe trotting down. Right? Like, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. Go sideways so you don't fall. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So cool. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to the water, come to you on the water. Okay, hold on one second here. Because this is the poorest vetting process I've ever heard in my life. Because any good ghost or demon worth his salt would just be like, yeah, it's me, the Lord. Come on out here and see what it's like. And then that demon's like, yeah, how did you kill? Like, demon's like, yeah, congratulations, you killed Peter. And they're like, how'd you do it? I just said I was bored. He believed me. He's so dumb. Like, that's not dumb to you. That's not dumb that you would be like, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to the water. That doesn't feel dumb. That's not a betting process. Like, that's not, like, I don't feel secure. This is not like my password or my face ID. I would have been like, Lord, what number am I thinking right now? <laughs> From one to a million, tell me. And he'd be like, seven. They always pick seven. They're so dumb. <laughs> if you can't laugh at your dumbness, like, I will. <laughs> right? Like, this seems weird to me. Why would he do that? I think the Lord gave me a reason. Peter was not testing if it was the Lord more than he was testing his ability to know the Lord's voice. So if Peter says, Lord, it is, we'll see, like, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out into the water. So the request is not, the, the request is in the command. The request is, hey, you command me, Jesus command me. So if it was a, if it was a ghost that said, come out into the water, Peter is testing now his ability to know the Lord's voice. So when he hears the Lord's voice, he's able to respond. Peter would not got, I, 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 like, I'm, I'm convinced of this, all right? Because if there's anything I understood and anything I prayed about this week, I'm like, Lord, let's say it wasn't you out there. I'm pretty sure the Lord was confidently telling me he wouldn't have gone out in the water because he wouldn't know my voice. Because my sheep know my voice. Now, Jesus doesn't say that until, like, three chapters or four chapters later in John. But could you imagine Peter, when he hears that, he's like, man, I knew his voice. You know how exciting that is? It, it, I mean, 
What Peter, the amazing thing that Peter was able to do was decipher with very little security. Is the spice that is Jesus. In the wind, in the darkness, in the waves, in all these things, Peter's like, yeah, 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 that's Jesus. Let's step out. Let's step out. That is a holy crap moment. Still in the boat, still dry feet, still everything. The ability to be able to say, no, 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 that's Jesus. That is Jesus. Is exactly where the Lord is trying to get every single one of us to the point where you have such relationship that you walk with him so much that you're able to say, no, 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 no. nice try, ghost. That's not Jesus. He didn't say my name like that. He didn't call me in that way. That's so cool. Here, Peter's like, he's confident enough to test himself, to hear. Yeah, yeah, that's Jesus' voice. So, what And he said, come. And that command from that voice prompted Peter. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, and, and this is where people like, they start, you know, this is the high horse. Keep your eye on, if Peter would have kept his eyes on Jesus, and if he would have not done this, and if he would have done this. What? Go back. Back one verse. Immediately, no, 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 we're going to go back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other back. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe this is a Christian thing, a good-natured Christian thing. To focus on, like, Peter sinking. And I don't know why there's not, like, 12 million sermons that said, and Peter got out of the boat. And Peter got out of the boat. And Jason got out of the boat. Yeah. And Chris got out of the boat. And Amanda got out of the boat. And Austin got out of the boat. I'm not going to say everybody's name, so don't get offended. Just put your name in there. Like, like. And Jovi got out of the boat. I wonder what the celebration was like in heaven when Peter went like this. Like, like we're, we're, writing, we're writing books about everything that happened after, and heaven's like, whoa! He got out, like he lifted his legs, and he got his feet wet, and he walked on water. There's like only 0.5% of the population that have walked on water. Probably less. I said 0.5 because I'm not good at math. I don't, like I didn't do the math. I didn't really do the math. All right. Okay, so all faith is, is taking this celebration, the joy of this celebration, into that next step of celebration. That's what faith is, right? Like, he had no, well, he did have a clue. Oh, let me skip to this point. So that, don't you think it's cool that Peter's attitude was like, well, if Jesus is doing it, we should be doing it. 
Jesus is walking on water. So what should we be doing? Walking on water. That's an amazing attitude. Oh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. We should feed the 5,000. Uh, two chapters later, they messed that up again. But like, cool, it's all right, guys. We're going to get this lesson down. Right? 4,000. 4,000. 4, you can feed 5,000. You can feed 4,000, right? Like, Jesus raising people from the dead. But so many times, okay. Thinking of how to say this to least offend you, knowing that it's going to offend you anyway. Okay. Lord, you know my heart here. Stop worshiping your idol of Jesus and worship the living, breathing Jesus. Because we idolize Jesus in a way that we ask him to do all the things and he's like, I, I, you do it. You hear what I'm saying? Like, Jesus living in you is meant to do the things that Jesus did when living. Well, like, why on this earth? Obviously, he's living, right? Don't mess me around on that one. So Peter does exactly what he sees Jesus is doing and gets out of a boat and does what Jesus is doing, which is exactly what the Christian life should look like. Three minutes walking on water is more looking like the Christian life the way that the Christian life can live, then most of the, like most, like my preaching here, my this, my that, that looks like the Christian life. Is I see Jesus do it, and I'm like, I'm empowered, let's go do it. Three, I'm getting, I don't even know how much time it was. Three minutes on water, right, whatever, or whatever it is. Three steps on water. A step on water. A getting out of a boat. Right? This, this is, that's what the, that's, like, that's the, that's the mystery of the Christian life. Like, the fun mystery is, like, what is Jesus going to open up for us to experience next? I have no idea. Because he's limitless. And the next possibility is impossible right now. But I see Jesus do it, and I'm like, wait a minute. This, this is license. So Peter takes license to do the thing, very thing that he sees Jesus do, and he goes out and does it. And you know what? So what? He got a little distracted. I'm Peter every day. I walk out in faith, and I get a little distracted, and next thing you know, I'm jumping in. But guess what's so cool about it? There's a hand coming out that gets me. It's Jesus' hand, and he pulls me up. And then he asks a question. So we're going to skip to this question, because I know I'm running out of time. Am I running out of time? But I'm getting hungry. <laughs> we be honest. Like I'm getting hungry. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took a hold of him and said to him, "Okay." I think this is where we think that Jesus is being critical. But if you know the heart of Jesus, I don't think he's being critical here. I don't think he's really being critical. I actually, um. Because a little, a, a little faith is a lot. A little faith is a lot. And we, we kind of degrade a little faith. Well, like, I have a little faith. But the Lord, in the Lord's perspective, is like, that's a lot. We can do a lot with that. 
And comparatively speaking, how much faith did Peter have compared to everybody in the boat? You notice Jesus didn't say anything to them. Like, I would have been like, if I, you know, me, because I'm struggling in life, right, and I, I need validation, right? I'm like, Jesus, why don't you say anything to everybody else? And he's like, I don't need to. They got zero. I'm going to address you because, you know what, you have a little. Yeah, Jesus is giving this dude the biggest compliment you got. Hey, you got a little. Oh, you, you have little faith. Man, look what your little faith did. Come here, little child. Look what your little faith did. Look, I'm giving you, I'm like, I'm encouraging you. You have a little faith. Guess what we could do if you took that little faith and took it to the next level and had a little bit more faith and then took it to the next level and then just had a little bit more. And then just a little bit more. And if you actually continue going with your little bit more, you're going to find that you have a whole crap ton of faith. Like, and it starts moving things. That mountains are like, whoa, you could move that? And then he has a really, really important question. And it's also one that we, that we kind of like criticize Peter with. He said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And we actually hear it. I think we read it in our, in our heads like, why did you doubt? Like he's condemning him. But he's actually asking Peter to look inside himself and say, tell me why did you doubt? Tell me why. Like I want to know. Because if you can get in there and you can start unlocking why did you doubt, then you know what? I can remove a little bit. Like we can have a little bit more of that faith. And then next time, if I, you ask yourself, like you have to go deep into reflection and you have to start looking at yourself. Okay, tell me why I doubted. Not, not like, stop condemning, condemning yourself for doubting, but ask yourself the question, why did you doubt? And allow Jesus to tell you the reasons why you doubted. Okay, this is why you doubted, because when you were a kid, you were experiencing this, and you need healing there, and you're still dragging that corpse. And you know what, that thing didn't work out over there, but I have a better plan for you. And I couldn't let that thing over there work out because if that thing worked out, I couldn't give you this over thing over there. So you know what, I have something for you. So you doubted there and you need healing there. Like everywhere you're doubting is just an area that you need a little bit more healing in or a little bit more revelation. But you take it and you're like, oh, I doubt it, I doubt it. And you condemn yourself for this and you haven't been healed from this. Does that make sense to you? So you're just adding. You're adding on to your own condemnation. And Jesus is like, hey, why'd you doubt? Tell me. Because I want to heal that. I'm not trying to condemn you. I want to heal you. I want to heal that thing. Because if I could heal that, whoo. If I could heal that. If I could heal that, Peter, one day you could walk through a crowd and heal people. It was like, they saw you and you've been with me. Like, like crazy stuff crazy thing. If you could do that, you're going to be able to cast out demons. Like, but I need to heal that. Let me heal that. But Jesus is such a gentleman that he was like, he was like, he didn't say, you doubted because of this, let me heal that. He, I need you to reveal it to yourself by asking you, you have to ask yourself the question. You have to ask yourself the question. Jesus already knows, but you have to, you have to, it has to be almost revelation to you. Okay. Almost done. I got five minutes. All right. I'm going to get you out of here on time. You're fine. You're good. You have a reservation? To where? I'll call them. <laughs> They'll be good.
You'll be good. You'll be good. All right. Okay. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. All right? A lot of sermons on that one. The wind didn't stop when they got to Jesus. The wind stopped when they got in the boat. All right? So you're going to, listen, your whole life is going to be walked with Jesus with a whole lot of wind. Get over it. I don't know what to tell you. All right? Like, that's it. That's life. All right? And guess what? The battered winds are going to make you stronger. You're going to be okay. You're strong enough to deal with it. All right? And walking with Jesus, you're strong enough to overcome it. So stop your belly aching and let's get to work. All right? Good. Suck it up, buttercup, as Jason said. And those who were in the boat, which is like 99% of the people in this story, worshipped him saying, you are certainly God's son. Like, and this is, the one, this is the one point that I've heard from many people, like, and I totally agree with it. Your faith will bring faith to others. It will bring people to a revelation of who God is. So it is critical. It is critical. I cannot tell you how many people are just waiting for the revelation of God that comes from you stepping out in faith. And part of that may mean that you got wet and you, like you were going to drown and Jesus picked you up. But nobody in the boat was like, well, Peter, Peter, before we worship Jesus, I just want to, I want to point. No, no, they actually saw the revelation of who God was. And they saw like Peter, this like, like, and listen, you get to, like, you walk around, you walk with somebody for three years. Like, I'm sure a lot of disciples are like, oh, Peter, shut up. Like, uh, you know, you get close to like Peter, you have plenty of problems, right? But to see somebody like that walking on water, you're like, you certainly are the son of God. If you can get that dude to walk on water, whoo! Who are you? You are the Lord. You know how many times I'm like, oh my God, that person? Look at that person. Look at, look at the amazing thing they're doing. Surely this is God. Surely it is. I have all these things in my life, but they're walking on water. I have all these things in my life, but I'm walking on water. Surely that's God. So your revelation, even, even, your, even your mess ups, even your drowning, getting your hair wet, the whole thing is an opportunity. When you grab onto Jesus, you walk back to that boat. It's an opportunity for somebody to see the Lord, to increase their faith, for somebody to worship the Son of God. That's cool stuff. That's a great, like, that is an economy I can deal with. Because I give into the economy with like, by laying down my ego, walking out in a little faith, showing something, and then their faith is risen. It's kind of like a, a rising tide lifts all boats. Rising faith rises the faith of others, raises the faith of others, if I wanted to speak English. Raises the faith of others. It's meant, faith is meant to be contagious. Faith is meant to be contagious. It's meant to be this thing, oh man, I don't know. I see, Chris is doing something. I should be doing something. Like you should actually, you should have that in you a little bit. Jay's doing something. I need to be doing something. There should be a little bit, I, there should be a little competitive spirit in you. 
like a holy competitive thing where you see other people and they see their faith and they're like, you know what? They could do that. We could do this. And then over there, they're like, oh, you know what they're doing over there? They're doing this. We need to do that. I think the Lord loves that. I think the Lord loves when he's just like, hey, you know, we're going to get after it. We're going to do this thing. And over there, they say, it's like, oh, we're going to get out. You know what? We got to do this. We, you know, next thing you know, rising tide, it's lifting all boats. So stand up, stand up, because I'm going to bless you. Did I get to the end of it? I don't even know. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Let's see. All right. And then he did this and then he did that. Okay. Oh, wait, I wanted to read 15 and six, chapter 15 and 6. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Your faith is beautiful. Your faith is beautiful. And the opportunities that come from you revealing, just stepping out in faith, are opportunities for others to grow in their faith. So it's actually an illegal thing for you to downgrade or belittle the little faith that you have. It's against what the Lord has for you. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed. As small as a mustard seed. Your faith is contagious. Your faith is a beautiful thing. It's meant to spark the, the, the fire inside others. And guess what? Part of it comes with making mistakes. And part of it comes with not completely succeeding. And part of it comes from getting up. And part of it comes from this. And part of it comes from that. And part of it comes from the whole story being told. And part of it comes from you not being perfect. But all of it, all of it, all of it becomes validating by you taking the hand of Jesus and continuing the walk. Every single part of it. So, Father, for these people here, I pray that the little bit of faith, the little bit of faith, the little bit of faith is honored and respected and stood upon and that it would spark the desire to take the next step of faith and the next step of faith and the next step of faith. And I pray that every time the Lord asks you, why did you doubt? You take that as a holy moment to inspect yourself and to examine yourself and to take an account for all the places that the Lord is looking to heal you in so that you are prepared for the next step of faith that's coming. Because it's coming. You right now, even right now, are being prepared for something way bigger than you. Way bigger, way bigger, way bigger. You can't handle it right now. If you try to carry it, it will break you. And along the way of the way bigger are big things. Just, you're not just going to that one thing over there. There's a whole bunch of things that the Lord has for you. And it's like, let me give you this gift. And let me give you this gift. And I'm building you because there's something big I'm going to give you. And here's, here's this gift. I'm giving you that because there's something bigger I'm going to give you. And here's this gift. I'm giving you that because there's something bigger. So you got actually, you got to be able to be prepared. You got to be prepared to be able to hold this, that big one. So I'm going to give you this one. And that little bit of faith, it's going to build you. So I pray that every single one here is built in their faith a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. Father, that this house will be a house of faith. That this house will be a house of prayer. That the evidence of your goodness will come from people stepping out and doing and being exactly the thing that you need in the earth. We're going to do it because we saw you do it. 
And the best thing that we can do is the thing that Jesus did. God bless this family. May you prosper this family in the growing of their faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.